All right, pod 28. Yep. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Holidays. Yeah, we haven't been on in a while, so just want to, yeah, wish everybody New Year's, holidays. My birthday just passed, so we're really, that's why we haven't posted in like a week. There was a lot of holidays and family functions that we had to go to, so it was kind of difficult. Lots of complications, but we're here now. Yeah, Um, so we got a good one for you guys. Hell yeah. Uh, Do you have any resolutions this year? Um, Not per se. I just want to keep consistent with what I was doing from last year and just try and build on it. I feel like I did a lot of, like, gym requires things that I want to do for myself or, like, uh, my diet. Which was going really well before uh, the pandemic. Um, I had a lot of huge plans financially for myself I ended up making, but a lot of the bigger purchases that I want wanted were canceled because of COVID. So uh, yeah. hopefully this year I'll be able to actually uh, dig into them a little bit more. That's good. So yeah, uh, just try to keep consistent, I guess. Yeah, I'm sort of trying the same. I'm trying to be more, like, strict with my diet because I was doing all right for a while, and then the holidays hit, and, like, it's hard to turn down Christmas cookies and, you know, all the fun desserts. I feel like the holidays are just going to be tough. Right. But, um, Uh, yeah, so similar for you two then, trying to stay consistent. Yeah, I haven't really thought of, like, financial goals but Mm. i definitely want to stick to my diet because i like feeling healthy yeah oh yeah definitely definitely and that sort of like helps have a positive influence on other facets of my life when i feel healthy and good so it's like a good base one to stick with and try to improve on i'm hearing it i agree with it you said, oh, yeah, how was your birthday? How was – we have a lot to check in about because it's been a while. Oh, uh, yeah. You had your birthday. How was that? Oh, uh, yeah, so my birthday was the 27th. Just turned 25. Um, Woohoo! 25, quarter century club. What's up? I know. I know. It's crazy. Um, Yeah, sorry for everybody. I'm sniffling because my allergies are kind of messed up right now. But um, – yeah, so 25, it's been cool. Uh, I went out to eat. I went to Abe and Louie's. It was solid. It wasn't anything, like, crazy, but... Um, you said it was crazy. You said lobster ravioli was the best lobster dish. Oh, no, no that's I at Joe's. Mind. So, that's I also true. went to yeah. Joe's. I had a lobster ravioli. That was really good. But I was at, uh, for my birthday, I went to Abe and Louie's, and I thought it was okay. The service was great, fantastic. But the they steak do. I got was eh. I got Wagyu. That was really good. And uh, we had uh, some small scallops with a uh, mushroom ravioli. So that dish that was those, those starting dishes are really good. But uh, but I don't think that it was amazing. Yeah. I am astounded by the service there. I really like. Yeah. The service is crazy. Yeah. Like, that's the main thing I would say if you're going out to eat over there. Like, 
be be ready for some really good service. It's so but the food is only too. okay. You gotta go there for brunch. Next time. Yeah, you go. here. That's what I was. It may just be better brunch because when I went for brunch, I loved it. It had the uh, the different uh, Benedicts. Like yeah. I had a salmon Benedict and a crab Benedict when I was there. And now you said you had a lobster Benedict there, right? Yeah, I had a lobster and then a crab cake Benedict and then yeah. a filet mignon Benedict. Yeah, which is absurd. <laughs> like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I may have to go back there for a brunch, but the dinner was only all right. So, But still a great birthday altogether. I, w- I went to go eat somewhere great. So it sucks the place that I wanted to go. They, t- they messaged me because my friend's like, hey, like, it's – closed on whatever day it was like thursdays or whatever uh, and sucks. yeah we we're like all right well, we can't go so they called me like half an hour before our reservation and they're like hey are you guys still coming in like uh i'm like well google said and they're like yeah well that's the, you're the second person to say that so we were losing business to google i was like that sucks <laughs> i would, would love <laughs> to come in but you guys closed by the time i had to get there so kind of sucked but even though he's a solid. Yeah. Um, what, uh, did you get any gifts? Uh, no, I didn't really ask for gifts. I got, a uh, one gift, uh, from Claire. Shout out her. Your mom. Oh, she yeah. got me a, uh, food processor. So, I haven't gotten a chance to break that open and use it yet, but I got some ideas for it. Um, I... I only know it as, like, chopping shit up. I don't know what else you could really use it for. Yeah, I can uh, make cookies with it. So it'll, yeah. really make, it'll, it'll make my, like, my crust for my apple pies better and the crust yeah, for true. my uh, cheesecake better, more consistent throughout, so. Um, I'm sure yeah, there's a lot of things you can do with it. I'm sure there's a lot of things you could do with it. I just, my knowledge of it and, like, what things it can do is limited. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, even for Christmas, would you get anything cool for Christmas? Nah, I'd really ask for anything. So, got your air purifier though, right? Yeah. So I know. I guess I got a gift for myself, which is the air purifier, which has done me great. Um, it's I made it a lot easier. Yeah. What are you saying? You should let me borrow it for a weekend. <laughs> I'd probably change your life. <laughs> <laughs> you know if, like because seriously if because a lot of the particles i guess that for people who have allergies like you and i a lot of the particles in the air can be filtered out by this thing so right now i'm in a i'm in a space where i wasn't using it and i was confused because i'm like hey like in this room my allergies are crazy but then in the room that the air purifier was in i felt great so i was like all right that must mean that the room I'm in has a lot of the particles in the air. My room's about like 10 microparticles. I bring it in here, it's like 150. So I was like, okay, that's of course why I was feeling this way. That's so, crazy that it's like able to tell that. Yeah, just like I plugged it in and then its sensor went off. It's on auto, so then it's like, all right, let's see how much particles are in the air. And then it turned it up. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, it's bad in here. Wow. How much was it? Uh, I got an expensive one that just had the sensors. So this one was like 
400 but you can buy cheaper ones that Dang. do the same thing. It's just I opted for a more expensive one. For 400 bucks, the microparticle accuracy better be spot on. Oh, yeah. it. I feel it. <laughs> like it, Even <laughs> if without it telling me, I knew, based on its reference, how much was in the air. I knew that it had to be really high. Yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, stuff like that. What about you? Anything uh, new with you since our last pod? Um... Yeah, mainly, uh, I mean, we had Christmas and New Year's. Both yeah. went well. Got great Christmas gifts. Um, been playing a lot of computer recently. Yeah, the new... we talked about how he had a new system last pod. Yeah, my buddy helped me buy a new computer, and I've been on it so much. Um, yeah. Been playing Valorant mainly, and also this game called Hades. Mm-hmm. Which I I looked on Vice yesterday and people are saying Hades is the best game of 2020 and they're like writing articles about it on like how it's supposed to teach you how to be patient and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really fun game. It's like you're trying to escape the underworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's sort of like Diablo. Um but yeah, Christmas was great. Just had a nice New Year's with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. We did our we actually did our Christmas exchange on New Year's because she was away for yeah. Christmas. So that was nice. Um, I've been heavily meditating. Yeah, how's that been for you? <laughs> uh, it's been good. Uh, I'm on a. 10-day streak on Headspace, which is crazy, bro. On Headspace? What, is that the app? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been doing 20 minutes every day for 10 days, and I got an email, and they're like, oh, if you could do 15 days, there's a special surprise for you. Ah, so you're working on like, surprise, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's I'm like, fun, what, yeah. what could it be, you know? Mm. It's probably I'm, just like a funny little email. I'm curious email. myself, yeah. 15 days, uh, so on the 7th we should hear about this. Yeah, I'll keep mm. you posted. As long as I keep up with it, you know? Yeah. But I'm going 10 days strong right now. Um, yeah, I'm going to try to keep up with it. Interesting thing about Headspace is that on January 1st, a Netflix series was released called Headspace Guide to Meditation. So yesterday? Yep. Okay. Um, I found out about it yesterday and I also watched the first episode with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a 20 minute thing. Um, basically it's like a cute sort of animated series. Yeah. Um, it goes into the background of the guy who started Headspace 10 years ago. Uh, how he, I guess he was first introduced into meditation like when he was like 10 years old but didn't really have too much of an impact on his life until his, like, early 20s. Um, he became, like, a Buddhist monk for a while. Uh, yeah. That sounds pretty crazy. Just yeah. became a Buddhist monk, okay. Right, he just went to the Himalayas and fucking was like, hey, yep, I'm here. How do yeah. I become a monk? Um, but, yeah, he did that, and then he started this headspace with, like, a 
couple other people, I think. Um, so I found this article about uh, the the series. Okay. And I just wanted to read a few uh, sections of this article because it's. I just want to educate people on what this series is and like what people can get out of it and what their aim is in releasing it. Um, so considering this year began with raging wildfires in Australia and the impeachment of President Donald Trump and its ending with an out of control once in a century pandemic, economic downturn and housing crisis. Any silver linings of the last 365 days are sadly overshadowed by, well, everything else. <laughs> Meditation is universal and timeless. It's been around for several millennia, and during that time, it's helped many communities cope with many difficult things, said Puttacombe, who is Andrew, or Andy Puttacombe, is the guy who made Headspace. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, he, he started it 10 years ago. And he, him and his partner were just, like, figuring out ways they can integrate it in different areas uh, yeah. of life. So he was just asking, how do we put headspace in places you wouldn't expect to find it? Uh, <clears throat> this led to initiatives like the company's podcast division with radio headspace, which I didn't know was a thing but yeah. I guess they have like a podcast uh, and they also have a collaboration with Sesame Street what? Uh, to which help is kids with yeah and it's titled Monster Meditation in an effort to bring meditation into the home for kids and parents alike mm. uh, so I think that's cool because I think well the Sesame Street thing is definitely good for kids but also, watching this Headspace Guide to Meditation first episode, I feel like it's animated so that it can, like, catch the attention of a kid, and mm. it is, like, soothing to watch. Mm. Uh, but it's, like, I mean, meditation, like, they even talk about it, how the brain is, like, uh, what's the word? There's, like, a special word for it, but it's basically, like, flexible, like a muscle. Like, oh, yeah. Malleable? Where, right, right, yeah. Um, but the brain's similar, so, like, if you, like, practice something, like, you know, it's just like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so if you, like, continue to meditate and keep practicing it, like, on a regular basis, then you'll just get better and you'll, like, reap more of the benefits of it as you practice it more. Uh, so I think it's good to like get it into people's minds, like at a young age. Um, but, uh, another thing that one of the, Oh, the headspace head of content wanted to say was we look at the show as a tool you can have in your toolkit in facing what is going to come. It's not like we're going to wave a magic wand and 2021 is going to be amazing, but how do we take care of our minds through this? Mm. So there's eight uh, episodes in the series, uh, and they're just hoping to, you know, spread headspace and spread the practice of meditation to hopefully benefit as many people as it can. Mm. 
I thought it was interesting to see, though, because I didn't know what it was going to be. I was like, Headspace on Netflix. Like, what could it be? Like, is it just going to, like, be the origin of it? But it, like, gave, like, a little background on the founder, and then there was also a guided meditation for the last 10 minutes of it. So me and Charlotte watched it and did, like, a 10-minute meditation together last night. How was it? It was good. Um... Me and Charlotte tried meditating one other time before, and I don't know. It's hard to get into, for sure. It's, like, hard to sit in silence like that. Um, But I've learned to enjoy it. Yeah. uh, It's good to, like, reflect upon and Mm -hmm. use it in everyday life. All right. On a lighter note, KFC is releasing a gaming console. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that on like my social media <laughs> that they're about to drop a, a console. Now, is it real? I don't think so, but no. it is entertaining and funny how they marketed it. Uh, <laughs> if you go to the website, they have like a whole web page just dedicated to showing like the specs of everything um bless you uh the kfc console has arrived forged from the fires of the kfc ovens and built by cooler master from the ground up there's never been a tastier way to experience the latest titles in stunning 4k 240 fps now 240 fps is that even real do you know yeah it is it is, okay. but it's like to get to that level, you need to have like a two thousand dollar computer. Yeah. <laughs> Never risk it. Go ahead. Which which the KFC console also has a a, a chicken housing compartment. Yeah, yeah. So that means Nev- it's like even better than a than like the best computer you could buy. The the next part said. Uh, Never risk letting your chicken go cold again thanks to the patented chicken chamber. Utilizing the system's natural heat and airflow system, you can now focus on your gameplay game play and enjoy hot, crispy chicken between rounds. <laughs> That's funny. Something everybody needs, you know? Yeah. Uh, your computer doesn't do that, so. No. I'm sure I could modify it, though, into doing that. Once, chicken housing compartment. If like fried chicken ever plays that important of a role in my life in the future, then yeah. I'll start working on modifying my computer to suit that. Um, the console is also VR ready, so they say get on your feet and enjoy the world of virtual reality while the smell of fresh chicken captures your senses. So it sounds like it's going to be a crazy console. No release date yet, uh, but should be right around the corner. It is a fast food company, right? Yeah, so it should be out soon. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a entertaining thing that I found. Mm. It'd be funny if it's real, you know? That they actually came out with one? Yeah, right? It's sort of funny. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they're like... I sort of thought it might be like poking fun at Apple. Because we were just talking about how they're making electric cars. Mm. 
like this is it's almost like a I forget the word but like a parallel uh thing where KFC's like just getting into the or like pretending Video to game. get into a whole different, you know, market. Market. Just like Apple's trying to get into electric vehicles. Hmm. I don't know if that was their intention, but it made me think of it when I saw yeah. it. That was a connection that you made, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that it was something where like, oh, they're trying to make like satire of all the like video game systems coming out. Like, oh, PS4, True. Xbox, KFC console. That could be it. There's so much talk about like ray tracing. And mm. I don't like, I'm sure it's like cool, but is I feel like that's been in games for a while now. Maybe not yeah. to the level of detail that this ray tracing like yeah. does. If you watch the crazy, you can see some crazy videos of games. They look completely different. Really? Like Minecraft with ray tracing is like absurd. It looks like a completely different game. Hmm. I'll have to check out one of those videos because I'm not yeah. convinced yet. Yeah, but all these games now, I guess, are their whole thing. I know. I love Valorant so much. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you've I been playing stop. that a bunch. I can't stop. I won't be stopped. But enough of gaming talk, I guess. Um, yeah, so I also wanted to go into another, well, today we're going to the topic similar to the Osborne effect. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be like a recurring type of thing where we're going to talk about interesting companies and how they've grown and failed, but, uh, if what we did do, I want to call a, it? Huh? I wanted to call it, uh, get out of the kitchen. Yeah, Mike likes Get Out of the Kitchen, because, uh, you want to explain? Uh, because these companies couldn't take the heat, and that's why they failed. Yeah, so, we'll see how it goes from there. See if we can't think of anything else, then I'll get <laughs> out of the kitchen. By default, we'll um, just stick with that. But, um, yeah, so, today we have a company called Enron. Uh, Mike's heard of it before. I'm sure some people who, if you ever do, people who do listen to this may have or may not heard of it before. But, um, and I wanted to do it as a way to show people why doing research on companies is important and, uh, how these companies can grow so large and then still fail. So Enron was a corporation that was headquartered in Houston, Texas. And it operated the largest natural gas transmission network in North America. So it had over 36,000 miles uh, of pipelines, in addition to being the largest marketer of natural gas in electricity and electricity in the United States. So it's a really massive company. And it reached seven on Fortune 500's most innovative list in 2000. So And then... That following December of 2001, it went bankrupt. So you can see how fast it rose and then how quickly it fell. Um, so a lot of this information that I'm going to be using during this is from further from the Texas State Historical Association. Uh, and 
they also named uh, Enron being synonymous with greed and corruption through the years. Yeah. Uh, uh, quick and, funny thing. Uh, so the reason why I know about this sort of is one that I was like interested in like finance when I was younger. And uh, so I just knew about like how this sort of collapsed. But also there was like, did, did you ever see Fun with Dick and Jane? I don't think so. And if I did, it was a long time ago. Um, I watched that movie a few, like a good amount of times. And at the end of it, there's just like, um, there's like some like sort of little jab where this guy's like, oh yeah, I just got hired to this great new company. I'm making a ton of money. And, uh, and they're like, oh, what's it called? And he's like, Enron. And then there's yeah. like a long, a long pause. It's yeah. like, they're just because it was like after they they had collapsed and shit. Yeah. So I just remember that joke from years and years and years ago. Yeah. So it was a cultural thing uh, back then. So I, yeah. I it is something that a lot of people know about, but it hasn't been brought up in a while. It's one give people mm-hmm. a refresh on it too. Um, but yeah, the greed of the company uh, ended up losing its employees and investors. $70 billion in lost capitalization and retirement benefits. So, You should see the look on my face right now. <laughs> so I've ruined a lot of people's lives. Disgust. Um, $70 billion, bro? What'd you what? say? $70 billion? Yeah, that's a lot of money. Damn. Like, and it's, it's just, because it's so much money, it's hard to even really grasp, but that's literally family's life lot. savings. Yeah. Um, thousands yeah, so the, of families. Yeah, exactly. Um, the company began from two smaller companies that ended up merging: uh, Houston Natural Gas uh, and Internorth. So the arrangement agreed that the company would be called HNG slash Internorth and be headquartered in Omaha, but with the hiring of Sam Segner as chairman. Uh, However, by 1986, Segner had retired, and Kenneth Lay was chairman and CEO. So, and the company was renamed Enron and headquartered in Houston. Um, so Kenneth Lay is one of the main players in the whole rise and fall of Enron. Uh, he's chairman and CEO, but he would sooner or later drop his CEO title and just become a chairman. Um, in 1989, the same year that, uh, Kenneth Lay, well, a few years after Kenneth Lay was announced chairman. Do you know why it's called that, Ron? Or like, is that like an abbreviation for anything? Um, I wasn't sure. Nothing came up (coughs) from my research to tell me why it was named Enron, but they ended up just switching the name to that. I'm not sure. Uh, um, okay. Probably has something to do with energy and their pipelines. If I had to take a guess, yeah. Um, but what ended up pushing Enron into into fame was a lot of their uh, sneakily deals and uh, and timing of the market changes. So in 1989, the U.S. started to deregulate gas. 
So Enron, with the help of a uh, outside consultant, Jeff Skilling, uh, who at the time was working at McKinsey Incorporation, created a new way to market natural gas to its customers using something called a gas bank. So pretty much they'd just be an intermediary between buyers and sellers of gas. So gas Mm -hmm. could be traded as a commodity and pretty much could be placed onto the stock market. Mm Mm-hmm. So this changed Enron's whole thing. They used to be a gas, they used to be a pipeline and oil company. And now they started to look at themselves more of a trading company. Uh, So they wanted to extend their influence from just being that one thing into uh, to be a financial trader uh, Mm -hmm. and market maker and electric power, coal, steel, paper, pulp, water and broadband fiber uh, fiber optics. So they really started to diversify a lot. Um, that's when they time. started being corrupt, right? Yeah, that's when things started to turn, when they started to really take a turn. Um, yeah, because people see how many things that they're doing and they get confused. Yeah, that's exactly, which, people... is, which is really crazy. Like uh, One of the biggest things that a lot of people who run businesses or own businesses, what they say is you got to keep you really got to keep the main thing the main thing like i'm sure if they just kept to oil (laughs) that a lot of these problems wouldn't have happened and maybe diversified later once they or or did acquisitions that made sense to oil um isn't that what uh coach connelly used to say yeah that's what it's the main thing the main thing the main thing yeah yeah, it's just a truth. It is like it's just a fact. Like sometimes right. if you want to try to do too much, like you end up doing a lot less. Right. Um definitely true. So uh So yeah, as I was saying, in 1989 they deregulated gas, so that's how they were able to move on, and by the mid-90s it seemed like water, just like natural gas at the time, would be deregulated. So by 1998, Enron had purchased a British water company, Wessex Water, for $2 billion, which they na- renamed Azurix. But it really didn't make sense because the company had no way to connect this, their supply of water to capable transmission facilities. So literally two years after this new company, Azurex, uh, went public, uh, the company actually went bankrupt. So, this is without even investors knowing this, because Enron, what they did is they started to use smaller companies called SPEs. So, this is going to be important for their fall. It's called a special purpose entity. And what they did is they they used these special purpose entities, which pretty much just give companies loans in the hope that they'll get paid back later as the company grows. It sounds so, like bullshit. Sounds like a exa- bullshit uh <laughs> Yeah, so Enron pretty much financed the debt of Azurex after its liquidation from going bankrupt to these SPEs, Marlin and Osprey. So this kept the two billion dollar debt that Enron was in off their records. Right. So it didn't look like they lost any money with this com- company going into bankruptcy. Yeah, it's just like one extra step to like cover it up. 
Exactly. So, hmm. uh, later in 1999, we'll get back to the SPEs in their role, but we're just going to keep following the timeline. Later in 1999, Enron created Enron Online, which became the largest e-commerce site in the world. Um, what is e-commerce? So just like uh, trading and buying goods online, pretty much. Okay. Um, and they wanted to make the next leap on this inter- on the online internet services and get into uh, fiber optic internets. So they created Enron Broadband Services. But the problem with this is that they were trying to make... Uh, fiber optics across the U.S. from all across the U.S. and have miles of fiber optic cables underground. But what happened is, is that there were large technological leaps, so it doubled the efficiency of the broadband internet that was already in the ground. So Enron's putting all this money into creating this fiber optic network, but the capacity that they needed isn't needed because of the technological leaps that were happening at the same time. So it's like, they're just trying to get into this new business that's growing, but they're getting in too late and they're Mm -hmm. finding themselves in a hole. So within months of this, uh, announcement, Enron stated that, and I quote that there are abundance of dark fiber, which is unused connections in the ground that, are unusable or not being used and they wished and they were hoping that a lot of these startup companies that they were investing at the time would help with the bandwidth but these startups ended up failing so enron lost an estimated one billion dollars in this new venture but by using i quote accounting mechanisms they wrote off a profit of a hundred million from a deal that they did with Blockbuster, that actually never saw a dollar of revenue. <laughs> That's funny. So they're they were at a, a billion dollar loss, and they're saying that they made one point one billion from a Blockbuster deal. That was not true. What the hell? That's so. Crazy this is that. these are all things that are going on behind the scenes and these investors are putting so much money into because they're hearing oh word they're going into uh into uh water treatment services and they're going into broadband fiber optics and they're already one of the most large uh oil suppliers in the world so Mm -hmm. this is awesome they're this is a number one company you can buy at the time they probably thought it was going to be one of the biggest things ever created yeah um and before i move on i just want to get a little bit into jeff skilling because he starts to play more of a role in all of this and in hindsight things start coming out about him that are shady so what ends up happening is that under jeff skilling it he ended up creating a really terrible uh um company to work for where it was like a doggy dog world where the bottom 15 to 20% of workers who underperformed were fired on the spot. So it's hard for people to be comfortable at work when it's like, well, one in yeah. five of us is going to get fired by the end of next quarter, you know? 
Yeah. Um. Damn. And what the problem was too is that a lot of a lot of it would be done through peer reviews. So I'd review you, you'd review me, uh, and if people were like, "Oh, this person doesn't work well," and they're x y and z problems with them they'd probably end up fired so just put a lot of pressure on people to be the best they could be but also made it difficult for them to know what's going on because if you asked questions during a meeting and you were confused on what the company was doing or how they were dealing that reflect poorly on you and potentially get you fired um yeah that, like, makes sense that he would want to, like, instill fear like that because he knows yeah. what he's doing is, like, wrong and, like... Exactly. He doesn't want exactly. people to question it. So that's why people were able to... That's how he was able to... They were able to get away with all this stuff because internally nobody's willing to say anything because they're scared to lose their jobs. And externally right. they're covering up their tracks using these SPEs to, mm-hmm. when they lose money, make it seem as if they were making... So, as we were saying about his poor decision-making and keeping things under wraps, uh, under his, under him being the new CEO and helping them, uh, this is when Kenneth Lay backed down uh, in, I want to say this was 98, he backed down as CEO, and they brought in Jeff Skillings from just being a, a uh, someone to help with... Uh, with regular things around the office, instead of just being somebody who would give them uh, tips on things to do, they've made him the CEO. And under him, they started to use this thing called mark to market accounting. This was really interesting to me, which is pretty much what they did. They used potential gain of a contract. They said that the potential gain of a contract was realized and that the potential loss caused by the contract would be assessed once the contract was signed. So pretty much this is saying that if once you sign a contract, what I think will be the the potential gain of that contract, I'm writing on my balance sheet that it was realized. So the second you sign that contract, that I'm saying that I made X amount of money from it before I even finished the service I promised for in that contract. So they're pretty much saying that they're making money from deals before they're even physically finished. It's just by you signing, by you signing it, it's gone. Yeah. They're doing like projected profits and like just recording them as actual profits. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. And they're not, and they're not writing the potential loss of it on their balance sheet either so but mark to market isn't a bad thing it's usually just used as a placeholder but enron jeff skilling and their outside auditor arthur anderson just took it to a whole nother level um so by 2000 enron had 5,000 less pipeline miles than they had um since the year before, but its gas financial transactions represented over 20 times its pipeline's capacity. So they're saying they're making way more money off of these pipelines than is even physically possible by 2000. 
and the stock price rose by 56 percent in 99 and 87 percent in 2000 so yeah. by this by this point the stock is trading at 90 dollars and the world's like this is about to be the largest company ever they're making so much money and dealing so well yeah and um this was all used from something called prepaid agreements, which is essentially a loan to raise cash without showing the liability on balance sheets. So by 2001, uh, Enron had five billion dollars in prepaid agreements and in an attempt to bury debt and raise cash. So they were really just <sighs> fleecing people out of, <laughs> yeah. out of all this money. Yeah. So I want to get into a little bit more of explanation of the their misuse of the SPEs under skilling. And what SPEs were used for at the time was as hedge funds to lock in this mark to market profits and hide potential losses from their deals. So a lot of times for a banker, it doesn't look this. This doesn't look like it doesn't take a genius to see that this doesn't look like a good deal for a banker because they're pretty much saying, all right, well, what we're going to do is we're going to promise the banker that a third party investor will come in and buy the debt as stocks. And the SPE that gave us the loan to begin with would end up having a larger profit because the company's growing. So, <laughs> But the, when, Enron, when Enron couldn't find those new investors, they used high-ranking personnel from the company to buy the, the debts back. So this started oh, wow. to create a lot of like control issues in Enron because they're like, they're pretty much hedging assets with itself. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's so, yeah. many, it's so like convoluted. Yeah, it's so backwards. It's like... And before, this had never happened before. No company had ever bought its debt, used its high-ranking personnel to buy its debts back to make it seem as if it was making profits. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, uh, there was, like, all the, you know, like, the Wolf of Wall Street stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, before all this, sort of, mm -hmm. when there wasn't so much regulation by yeah. like whatever the FCC and whatever uh, mm -hmm. and like this this was like how people tried to get around it but mm -hmm. it ended up just like collapsing on itself because yeah of of all the regulation and stuff but this is funny how many steps there are to like <laughs> trying to cover this stuff like, oh, yeah to just cover their tracks Right, we're going to say we got the money. It sounds like, you know, uh, like drug addicts. <laughs> oh, yeah. In a sense, I'll get, this, like, I'll get, right, I'll yeah, get the bro, money get... from Joe to pay Thomas. Yeah, and then right. I'll get the next money from this guy to pay this guy. And then I get my and check then... on Wednesday, and then yeah. by that time, my food stamp card will be loaded. And then, uh... and then I could tr <laughs> sell that to make more money. It's like, what? Yeah. That's funny. So, Enron for a long time was using SPEs, but uh, we they noticed that there was a 
even extra money coming in. And what they ended up doing is going to overseas private investment companies. Once you once you hear a company have to go overseas to borrow money, I feel like that should you should just already look at it like, hey, this is a problem. <laughs> like, yeah, they can't raise enough cash, so they have to Bro, go overseas. You missed out on two great little puns. You wrote here, it? once you go overseas for loans, it's starting to get fishy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, yeah. and then also, well, you missed that one. And then uh, when you were talking about the water companies, yeah, you said Azurix. Well, you didn't say it, but in the thing it says Azurix was liquidated. No pun oh, intended. Oh, yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> Literally no pun intended. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, um, but it was starting to get fishy. Go on. Uh, yeah, so between 1993 and 2000, Enron was the recipient of over $2 billion in loans and insurance for more than a dozen projects, ranging from power plants to gas pipelines to gas extraction plants. So this sounds a little bit more like what they're used to doing. Um, but what happened is they ended up creating a whole new entity within Enron called the Raptors. And the Raptors pretty much were just created to hide overseas investments in the company. Uh, so they ended up having to restructure the comp- that little entity inside of their company. And they were able to hide another $200 million in losses from, from the overseas private investment companies. That's like the, the Swedish banks and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, so they were. So I want such random names for shit. They have such random names for stuff like Raptors and Osprey and Azurix for water. I know. I wonder if they have um, one guy for names. So in the uh, second quarter of two thousand one, the SEC ended up auditing them and it showed a negative cash flow of 1.3 billion so the marlin spe which we talked about earlier for azurex mm-hmm. had they've realized that it was used to conceal azurex losses and the marlin spe had that money due to investors at the end of 2001 so Enron was able to shuffle the money a little bit and get the obligation they owed down from $1.3 billion to just a billion. So they're able to cut a little bit of loss there. But the entire note, so the entire amount that was due to Marlin SPE was, was due if the stock price fell below $34. And if you can take a guess, it did. And it's from its $90 high. In just 2000. So literally a few months later, the stock dropped from 90000 to under $34. $90 to under $34. Hmm. Um, so as Enron's prices continued to fall, they would have to begin refunding $2 billion in deposits from these SPEs. So as the situation is just deteriorating... That July of 2001, Jeff Skillings resigns, and the announcement wasn't told to the public until August. 
So now oh, Kenneth wow. Lay, our original uh, CEO who became chairman, had to be put back into his CEO role. And once you see CEOs starting to leave and you see leadership start to back off, that's how you know something is wrong. Yeah. Even more fishy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so once Skillings left, you saw a $5 share drop even further. So now we're sitting around like the $20 mark. Mm-hmm. And by October, it hit a new low of $20.65. Um So now they needed a new CFO. They hired a new guy, Andrew Fastow. He realizes things are going to to shit, and he immediately started liquid uh, liquefying the company. So he ended up starting mm-hmm. to sell a lot of their assets or things that people believed were assets but were not, because it's a lot of empty filings that they were doing. Right. Yeah. So Enron started selling collateral and selling a lot of their uh, their pipelines just so that they can buy back a little bit of the things they lost. What were you gonna say, Mike? Um, I was just gonna ask when they officially went bankrupt or you know went under. Yeah, so I'll I'll be right to that too. Okay. So they ended up trying to put through a merger, and um with a company, a Houston-based energy company called Dynagy Incorporated. And Enron stock rose about $10, and Enron received $1.5 billion in cash, um, as, as well as $550 million from the sale of their pipelines. Uh, hmm. um, so the, the merger ended up being reviewed, and ended up being canceled by Den- by Dynagy. And this meant that the reduced rating of Enron at this point made it so that they would have $9 billion in loans due by 2002. So they're under. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah. Um, right after this ended, the banks refused to extend any further, cre- further credit, so no more SPEs that they could figure out to smudge the the books and uh by december 2001 enron filed for protection under the united states bankruptcy laws um which was the largest of its kind at the time in united states history so it was a massive debacle for the for the company yeah damn yeah it's pretty ridiculous that something would get this big yeah right Mm. you would feel I mean there's so many like signs where something is wrong (laughs) yeah people should have like called them out uh but I guess they were just like aggressive and intimidating like in every yeah like interaction that they had like with their employees with bankers Mm. but it's weird how they could just like you know, kind of go around just really sneaky. You know? Yeah, really, really sneaky. Um, um, so don't this be like ended Enron. Up, yeah, don't be like Enron. <laughs> so I just want to do a few more wrapping up things, do the 
congressional response and then what happened to the executives. Um, so the SEC ended up making a filing on them and there was a highly publicized hearing with the United States government, which ended up passing the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. It was passed in July 2002. That just required more transparency in dealings uh, between executives and corporations and more penalties of fraud. So it ended up putting corporate officers personally liable for the accuracy of financial reports, which is awesome. Because mm. it's it sucks that people were able that they were able to hide so much money and right. lose a lot of people's hard earned money, um, and it required a lot more independence from auditing firms. Because that was one of the things is that uh, Arthur Anderson, who was their outside auditor, ended up <clears throat> working with them to to skimp out on people's money. Hmm. Um. In the end, 22 Enron executives and partners pled guilty uh, or were convicted of criminal charges for their roles in Enron's collapse. Arthur Anderson was found guilty of fraud, um, and the conviction was later overturned on appeal, sadly. Uh, but the reversal didn't come from the but the reversal did not come before the firm was forced to dissolve. So good. A lot of people that were involved with Anderson um, were also personally convicted of crimes committed during their work at Enron. While several executives received probation, others received, le- others received lengthy prison terms, including CFO Andrew Fastow, who came in at the end. He, he, he was like, he was, uh, he, was, he was brought up like a year and a half before its collapse, so he barely even had it a huge hand in it and he was he received a lengthy prison sentence do you know how long um no but none of these none of the people that ended up being convicted was shorter than 10 years oh wow um so yeah this is the CFO the accounting chief CEO of the trading unit treasurer Former chairman Ken Lay and CEO Jeff Skilling were found guilty in May of 2006. So this is when you said you started to hear about it. Um, uh, Skilling, who was guilty, of 19 counts of security and wire fraud, was sentenced to more than 24 years in federal prison and began serving his term in December 2006. Um, Ken Lay died in 2000 in july 2006 while he was waiting to be sentenced so his conviction ended up being voided they were actually going after his um his home to pay for some of the things that enron had lost oh wow do you know how he died did he kill himself no i think he it was i think it was natural causes uh Hmm. Yeah, it was suddenly. But I feel like I feel like when you're that old and you're going through so much stress that I bet his will to even go on was just yeah. smashed cuz it's like, well, I'm going to be in jail for literally the rest of my life. Right. Hmm. Yeah, they were Damn. so at the time the judiciary department 
uh, wanted to pursue Lay's estate in civil court in an attempt to recover some of Enron's lost billions. Hmm. Yeah. Man, fuck Enron. And it sucks because, like, the legal efforts that they were trying to get some of the the employees invested funds back the majority of the the plan was around enron stock price which at the time was trading for like 26 cents so (laughs) they could only get pennies on the dollar for what they got before yeah a lot of people got screwed over yep So uh, by 2004, they changed the name to Enron Creditors Recovery Corporation. Uh, So the the whole mission was to liquidate any remaining assets in operations of Enron until they paid back the the money that was lost. And then once that would happen, the company would no longer exist. Oh, wow. So it's just a story of how evil and corrupt this company was even though they had such a great beginning. Yeah. Hmm. They just kept to what they did and kept to their their main plan and what they were good at. It probably wouldn't have ended up like this. Right. They wouldn't have gotten as big, but they would have <laughs> not fucked over so many people. My problem is they were already huge. They... We're already one of the, the second biggest oil companies in the world. They just got super greedy. Yeah, I just want to bring it back to why it's important for people to do their own research on these companies. Because I'm sure at the time, there was probably some bull on Enron. It was like, you guys need to buy Enron right now. It's going to be such a huge thing. You're going to make so much money. Right. Ended up failing. Do you do you read like Robin Hood's uh, like suggested news stories? News stories sometimes because I'll do for for it's similar. I use E-Trade. I oh, use it right, for that, yeah. and I look like on the ones that are applicable to m- the companies that I know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's also best to only buy companies you know about too or understand. Right. Yeah. Don't want to buy so it's easier thing. for you. Yeah. So you like know what's going on. Yeah, but why? You're just curious. Yeah, I was just curious because like you, you, you are talking about like how you should be educating yourself on companies that you choose to invest in, and oh, I don't yeah. know if like Things Robin Hood pers- like purposely puts certain stories out for me to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh. Cause like some, I don't have any money in Apple, but like they always yeah. push Apple, like Apple mm. news stories. That's because uh, Ma- Apple. So, what's interesting about Apple, it is trading really low right now, like in the hundreds, yeah. but it's pretty much guaranteed to grow. Like they're not even oh, reaching yeah. the full world market yet. That's true. <laughs> There's a lot of third world countries that don't even have iPhones yet, you know? And like, it'll probably be the same thing. (sighs) 
So it's definitely interesting. Yeah. It is. But just pushing again to look into these companies before you just full send them. <laughs> Don't do a full send on Enron or an Enron alike company. Ugh. Um, should we do. Do you have any questions? Um, not about. Uh, of the existential for, um, variety? Existential? I, get, I have some up right now. I just haven't picked one. Yeah, let's do it. Should I pick one? Okay, let's take a breath. We definitely need a... Uh, need what? That was by your house? What? That was a uh, police car, right? No, that was me whistling. Oh, I was okay. taking my breath, bro. Oh, that reminded uh, me of a police car, but um, yeah. like a siren. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, we definitely need to decompress. Okay, I think I have a good question. Yeah, what is it? How do you know you are not dreaming right now? Um. Is there any real way? Yeah, well, I would say that this is way too calm to be a dream. Because dreams I've had have never, like, something wild would have happened by now. <laughs> like, somebody who would never be able to be here would walk through the door. Or, like, yeah. I'd be able to fly. But think about this. Think about what if our dreams are just like the second layer of dreams and when we die we just wake up in our real life and like a true life and my dream was just however long I lived for yeah like what if we, we both grow to be like 90 and then we both die and then we just wake up and we're you know like a baby That'd be sick. I would love that. Would I have any... Would it just be like I just forgot this life when I woke up? Would I, I don't know. You, you might have to ask uh, Confucius or Buddha. He'll probably know. I would like that because for me, it's always been annoying that humans live on such a small time scale, but everything else in our known universe acts on such a astronomically large time scale so it's like i wish that we'd somehow be able to like live on a larger scale right and that would be that if we could dream 90 years yeah and then wake um, up and live longer you know yeah um that like i almost did this question actually it was uh is one lifetime enough time I thought we haven't asked that one before. I don't think so. I swear we've done that before. And I remember, or I've thought about this without bringing it up. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I don't, I think it, because people always say, oh, it's enough if you do it right. That's the thing. 
Yeah. And I think that I, I don't, don't think there's think enough that time to like figure out what the right way to do it is, you know. Yeah. Like I feel like people some people like start to figure out what they want to do in their 20s, but like a lot of people take longer cuz they're like doing other stuff. Yeah, a lot of people figure it out when they're like 30. Yeah. People feel bad when they do a career change at 35. They're like, oh, I can't do a career change now. It's too late. Yeah. Which I think is wrong. I think you can figure out a career change at any time in your life. I don't think it should matter. Yeah. But I think if you do a career change, you'd rather be in a higher position in whatever career that is if you're older. Right. I would I would prefer if we had multiple lifetimes. Mm. Like I reincarnated guess. or like longer life? Uh maybe reincarnated, I don't know. It's getting too deep now. <laughs> well like it is an existential question. Yeah, that's true. Um I'd probably take the uh the reincarnation. Yeah. Me too. Or, um, I saw an interesting thing that that's a, th- something someone was posing. If you were able to actually like download yourself into a, uh, a computer, if you, if it was ever possible to have a consciousness that was downloaded, yeah. that you may be able to have like a, computerized version of yourself who's living through your life with you so it's like there'd be another version of you you know yeah so i thought that was interesting and how like would how would your life be so much different with that you know right oh wow that's making me think a lot um i got another good one you want to do one more yeah Okay. Does truth exist without evidence? Truth exists without evidence? I think so. I think that... Because, like, for example... There's no evidence of, like, thoughts that we have. You know what I mean? Oh, but we have them. Right. But there's no, like, evidence of, like, us having thoughts. Or, like, every thought that we had. Yeah. There is no evidence. I mean, there might be. But... No, but I'm thinking right now, like, if... If we didn't have the... The wherewithal to say, like, yes, I'm having thoughts. It wouldn't... We wouldn't be able to look at a person in a vacuum and say they're having thoughts right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we wouldn't be able to prove that, like, a being is having, like, a thought process or in its brain that there's these neurons being fired that are asking questions. Right. But we know through our own experience that we are. Yeah, exactly. And maybe in the future we will be able to, like, track that sort of thing or, like, record that sort of thing, but... 
Yeah, right now it's not. I guess that would still it would count. I was just thinking, like, if you know, if you were to say like it it was like a criminal on trial for like whatever, like murder, uh, and he like was able to clear all the evidence, like there's no evidence at all, mm. but there is still some truth that like he did it, you know, because like yeah. he has he knows he has like his experience and his like thoughts towards it his intent like that's it's still all a like truth so right but even though we couldn't huh. that's like truth but there's no like evidence of it only in his that's mind, crazy because in of. that instance i look at it and i'm like well the only truth that there could be is if you could prove it but because you can't prove it, then to you it's not a truth. But from like a universal truth, yes, like it is true that he did it. But for you personally, it wouldn't, it couldn't be a truth. Right. Yeah, from like a universal uh, perspective. Yeah, at a universal standpoint, like what is the truth? Then yes. But yeah. as an individual. You wouldn't be able to claim it. Right. That is interesting. Yeah, I like that one. Um, anything else we want to touch on? Um, well, I do want to say that I'm going to start posting the cereal back brass, uh, the cereal basket <laughs> bracket <had> more frequently. <laughs> Word. So I'm trying to get consistently two days a week. Um, nice. Probably do Sundays and Wednesdays for updates. Okay. Cool. Uh, do you know any of the matchups coming up? Uh, yeah, I can tell you right now. Right. Um, okay. It's my phone. Yeah, hold on. I'll take this time just to say that we will be uploading episodes more frequently now. We this holiday period was sort of just like a weird period because Z had to quarantine uh, and then we had the holidays and we both have our birthdays in December and shit so but we're gonna get yeah, back in really the ball yeah we didn't really know what wh- like how things were gonna look especially with us doing the remote pods now yeah which I think we're getting much better at <laughs> right oh also I'm gonna be I might be trying to do Twitch, so uh, I might, like, link or uh, advertise my Twitch next episode if I end up doing some of it. Mm. So if you ever want to watch me play video games, stay tuned. Yeah, cool. And uh, I know somehow people are able to put it on there. Like, put their podcast on there so i thought that was pretty interesting yeah we might try that out too okay uh i was Uh, thinking because when i get my my streaming face cam we might be able to stream the podcast as we do it which would be much easier yeah um i like the idea of it so yeah yeah uh yeah so this week 
The ones that will come next are Honey Bunches of Oats versus Reese's Puffs and Cinnamon Toast Crunch versus Frosted Mini Wheats. Oh, wow. Those are some tough matches. Yeah, so then we'll only have one more after that. Well, yeah, one more after that, and then we'll be in the semis. Word. Making progress. Um, all right, I think that wraps it up. Uh, follow us on Instagram at DTMS underscore podcast. Yep. Um, I think that's it. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy New Year. Yep. All right, buddy. See you. See you. See you next time.